Hey! Hey everyone! Welcome to the Boss Life Balance Podcast. Bringing health to your hustle. I'm Sarah. And I'm Kelsey. We know you've got a million things on your to-do list today. So let's dive right in. Hi, Sarah. Okay. I am <laughs> super excited because I know nothing about PR and we're going to learn some stuff today about that. I know nothing as well. And I'm very fascinated by the, so Diane is the second person on here that we've had who's in the entertainment industry, correct? Second, third? I think, yeah. Yeah. So I really enjoy hearing about all this because I know you're familiar with that world and I am not (laughs) at all. So it's fun for me to just kind of sit in and listen and absorb it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's like any other industry, but it's, I mean, it's entertainment, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Every man. industry has its its quirks. And I think like, especially now we're seeing with like the advent of Instagram and, and that thing we always come back to of having that very polished look um, and feel. And you need that for any industry now. I mean. True. Maybe not paper sales. I'm watching The Office right now. But, um, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe also paper sales. <laughs> <laughs> you probably sell more paper if you had nice and pretty, shiny, shiny social media. <laughs> yes. I mean, if only that show were made today. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Let's jump in. As a publicist, podcaster, and coach, Diane Foy's mission is to educate motivate and empower performing artists to thrive in the arts with authenticity, creativity, and purpose. She is the host of the Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive podcast, where she interviews thriving musicians, actors, dancers, and industry influencers on what it takes to succeed. Solo shows offer coaching drawn from her 25 plus years as an experienced, multi-passionate creative entrepreneur. Let's do it. Well, just dive in. Do I have to do anything on my end? No. Okay. Just cool. talk. Be yourself. Be your, be your shiny, be beautiful, self. bright self. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> awesome. Well, welcome. Thanks for having me. We're so excited you're here. Um, so, Diane, I would love for you to just kind of talk us through your journey. And, um, like, we know you've you've been in PR forever and now you're coaching. Um, so we want to, I want to hear about that. And then also a little bit of a highlight on what the process was like to adding coaching to your skill set and as, and to diversify, um, what you offer. Right. Um, I feel like diverse, <laughs> diversifying is kind of everything that I do. Cause I've, I feel like I've, I've changed careers a lot. I have so many interests. I, I've recently discovered there's a psychological term for it. It's uh, multi-potentiality. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> where you want to go in a million different directions and y- you're never going to be happy just doing one thing for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so always doing many different things. So I started out as a photographer and then I was a makeup artist for a long time. I did some journalism. then. When I wasn't really enjoying my full-time uh, makeup job anymore, I was like, okay, now what? And 
it occurred to me that everything that I had done is because I wanted to be in the entertainment business Mm. and photography and makeup and journalism kind of got me around those people, but still on the outside. And I'm like, obviously I want to be inside. (laughs) (laughs) So I went to (laughs) entertainment management school and I kind of figured I would publicity would be my thing anyways but I figured I'd go in and learn everything to do with the entertainment business it was a little bit more music focused at that time so music industry and I interned with a publicist and when I finished school I just didn't want to go back to like corporate job or (laughs) anything like that (laughs) who does (laughs) so I just jumped in And figured it out. So I started doing publicity for my friends' bands and and singer-songwriters and things like that. And would just kind of volunteer at first just to kind of get the experience and start getting contacts with media. And it took off pretty fast, actually. So like within six months, I was, I had like paid clients and pretty you know, sometimes more well-known names, and I was getting major media coverage for them. And that was 2004, 2005. (laughs) And I just, at that time, my company was Skylar Entertainment. So I I ran Skylar Entertainment for, I kind of gave up that name maybe, just maybe two years ago. Um, But I did music publicity. Um, after a couple of years, I got into film publicity and working with actors and films as well. So that was nice because then I could get into two different industries. And mm. um, some of the highlights throughout the years, I guess I've worked with Perry Farrell from Satellite Party. That was a really cool experience. And I've remained friends with them. And I've worked in Canada, um, Sass Jordan, Big Sugar, DOA, lots of um, known names cool. up here anyways. That's and great. film, I work with the Female Eye Film Festival and worked with a lot of, even then, like the director of the film festival was like, well, I want you with the talent. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> <laughs> the talent love you. You're good with the talent have your assistants do all the other stuff. I'm like, I'm in. (laughs) You're like, oh, I get to do the fun stuff? Excellent. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so I get, yeah, it's like I love being around performers and that's kind of why I do all this. And how I got coaching. um, So being independent, I'm sure you all know if you're creative entrepreneurs, it's a roller coaster. It's like so, so busy, then nothing. So, so yeah. busy. Oh, yeah. Then nothing. <laughs> and you just got to ride that roller coaster. And during the nothing times, you think, I got to go get a real job. I got, I got, I just got to do something. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then it all picks up again, and you're like, okay, love and life. So, <laughs> totally. <laughs> But at some point, like over the years, like publicity has changed. Media has changed. Um, it got harder and harder to get 
the independent artists that I work with um, press coverage. So, you know, I'd be struggling to get them any attention. Whereas when I started, like the band, <laughs> I kind of joked, the band didn't have to leave their basement and I could get the press. <laughs> but now you got to be, you got to have a online presence. You have to have a social media following. You need to be active on social media. You need a professional image. You need a professional uh, bio and story and you need to be, have this great personality or put your personality out there. Um, and for a lot of artists, when they're starting out, that's a lot to wrap their brain around. And mm. more and more, I had to start turning down publicity gigs because I knew I couldn't get them anything. Because if you don't have all that, because even if you do have all that, it was becoming a struggle. <laughs> so Absolutely. even having a band on tour, it was still a struggle to get them like any press coverage. And I would advise them what they can do to be better prepared or be better ready for publicity but I think they were left struggling figuring it out on their own um, yeah before art there was a lot of artist development before you know agents and managers and labels would take on artists that maybe weren't ready and help them get ready but now you got to do all that your own, you know? So I'm, I started to feel for them. Like I can't help them. And then I was going through a phase where, well, I wasn't loving publicity anymore. Cause like, I want to be successful too. I want, you know, <laughs> it's not fun. Like getting rejected all the time, Yeah, <laughs> but I love this artist. Yeah. We don't care. Um, yep. so I spent a year probably going, I don't really know what I'm going to do with my life, but I was done all throughout this time. I would have like a separate website for my photography. I'd have a separate website for some writing and also then the publicity. And then at some point I started designing jewelry and I'd have a separate website for that. And I had all these different lives. <laughs> Oh, God, I feel that. I feel that so hard. Yeah. And no one knew like I did any of the other things. Yeah. <laughs> I did start describing them as separate lives because people didn't know that I did those other things. So it was always, it was hard to develop anything other than publicity because that's what people knew me as. So if they happen to discover I do photography or something like that, it's like, I didn't know that. And it's hard to really <laughs> push any of these other things because, you know, it's a lot to maintain when it's a separate social media account. It's a separate this, separate that. And you can't totally, you know, make any grow. So I decided mm -hmm. that I'm going to put everything I do on dianefoy.com and wherever it goes. I, I thought, well, I'll put publicity, I'll put photography, jewelry, whatever it is. And with when it's dianefoy.com, it's not dianefoy publicity, even though my <laughs> my social media is PR. Um, but I wherever, you know, whatever direction I went. So I started doing more photography, just kind of open to whatever direction I went in. And then I went to a kind of an all-day workshop that the government 
uh, the Arts Council was putting on, and it was called Branding for Artists. And even though kind of that's what I did, um, I'm like, I'm going to go to that, see what someone else says, and meet other artists, and and see what that's about. And it was really good, because sometimes, even if we study digital marketing or whatever it is, we sometimes don't take our own advice, and we don't... We don't. I I always have a hard time taking my own advice. I know. (laughs) So weird. You can ask other people a million things, but then do you ever ask yourself that? So, (laughs) not often enough. Yeah, the answer is rarely. (laughs) Yeah. But it it was kind of life changing in the sense that, you know, I started to figure out what my, my branding would be. And it, and it was at that time where I was like throwing everything out there and seeing what stuck. And one question that the coach said was, so what's, what is the, if you want, if you do a million things, what is the one thing that you could focus on that would be the, the easiest for you? Not something that's going to take a lot of work, but then also the quickest to make you some money. And I'm like, that's a good question. Because I could, I want to do a million yeah. things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it may take me a long time to get to the point where I can make money at it. And so she's she understands artists. And she's like, no, what's easy for you to do and the fastest that you can make some money. And then, you know, once you get that going, then you can go into the other direction. So I kind of was thinking, well, consulting. Because, like, at that point, it's like I have 20 years of being a creative entrepreneur and and consulting and music business and um, you know starting an acting career, I knew all this, so I could just kind of start sharing my knowledge. And so it was consulting, but then by the end of the day, I kind of figured I started figuring out that she's actually a coach. I mm. started researching coaching, and literally within twenty four hours, I was signed up with you know, coaching programs. <laughs> I was like, that's it. You know, yeah. it, sometimes it takes you and a while to is, get it, but once the light bulb goes, you're like, I'm all in. I want it now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it is such a needed service. Like the last kind of more corporate job that I worked was as a general manager for a school of rock. And all of my teachers are gigging musicians, right? Yeah. And I would just be like, oh my God, there's so much more you could be doing to to promote yourself and to get people to your shows and to share your music. Like it, it there's I think a disconnect for a lot of creatives, at least in that space, where they just want to be creative and they need somebody to like hold their hand and say, okay, this is how you post on Instagram. This is how you get followers. This is the the process by which we get you seen for yourself. Yeah. It is a struggle um, in some ways because there's a lot of artists that don't want to deal with any of marketing terms or business. I just want to create. And mm-hmm. so it's a, it's kind of a tough sell too, to even, make them realize they need this um but yeah I've I thought well the first thing that they do need is this kind of personal branding you know and that and I had to find a way to explain it to artists I took uh creativity coaching as well so 
it gets into the psychology of artists and creatives and really down to, okay, how to coach actors, how to coach performing artists, art, visual artists, writers, and how the different mindsets and the different uh, ways of dealing with things are. So you really get into that. So you start to put yourself in their shoes. And so when I first kind of put together this little personal branding thing, it's full of marketing terms. And, you know, I, you know, I started promoting that and I got a couple clients and, but I knew even then I'm like, I know they don't want this marketing speak. I'm telling them what they need to do, but I somehow have to put it in words that they can understand and not be scared of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you know, a lot of artists, you know, myself included, and I teach this stuff, want to run away <laughs> from like the business and marketing and all that stuff. That's like other people's job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and it can be overwhelming because you have to wear, you know, so many hats at the same time. Yeah. And I, I mostly just try to explain them that branding is not maybe years ago labels would maybe they still do take an artist and kind of put a brand on them write their story make them do photo shoots that is not really them and make them wear clothes it's not really them but I kind of try to say well what I'm wanting to do is helping you and also this is the difference between coaching and consulting there's a million entertainment consultants out there that want to guide you and tell you what to do to succeed because they know Um, but I try (laughs) to say coaching helps you I come to it with all that experience but I I'm not going to tell you what to do I'm going to help you figure out what course of action is best for you I'm going to help you figure out who you are as an artist what do you truly want and what your core values are, what is your story? And you kind of start thinking about everything to do with you are. It's like a self-exploration that Mm. nobody really takes time to do. And like I went through it myself, you know, taking the million coaching programs I took. (laughs) And uh, once I'm in, that's another multi-potentialite thing. It's like, oh, if we have a new interest, we're all in. Oh, I feel yeah, that exactly. for sure. <laughs> I, I also discovered online coaching at that time or online courses. So I was taking mm-hmm. courses in anything I ever wanted to learn. <laughs> <laughs> online courses and Udemy, it's like 12 bucks. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's where it goes. and And now I've kind of revamped the program and I guess in the last maybe six months where there's hardly any marketing speak in my copy about this program Mm -hmm. and it speaks to what the benefits are of taking the time to doing all these different steps and so I've developed this like program that at first it was 12 weeks but now I have a whole other you know part two to it it could be six months. It could be longer. Um, I'm discovering after you coach some people, you kind of discover, well, some people need a little bit more time with certain topics. Other people will race right through it. So, 
now it's a little bit more open. It's not a strict schedule. It's, you know, we'll work with you to get you there. The, I guess the point is, is, is what is the goal? Okay. Now let's, what do you really want? And then let's figure out how to get you there. And I just know that there's all these steps that you ideally should take before you hire a publicist. And I say that funny because I'm a publicist, but, (laughs) (laughs) but it's also like, but if you go through this and you come out of it more confident, you're going to be more comfortable telling your story. You're going to be more comfortable on stage. You're going to be more comfortable promoting yourself and making the connections that you need in order to get you ahead. Then I could be your publicist. You can hire another publicist and we'll rock it because you'll have your shit together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have that extra edge because that's what you do. So you're not like, you know, if they do all these things, you'll be able to help them more, obviously. Media wants a story, no matter what industry it is. It's like the press, they're like, what's the story? That's why like, it's hard for artists, musicians to hear is that actually we don't really care about your music, you know, (laughs) and that's, that's a really hard thing for them. And yes, the music is important. Yes. It has to be great music, but the person with all these other things and crappy music and you see them doing better than you. And it's frustrating (laughs) because you, you know, you're more talented, but look at what they're doing. They're, they have a professional, look they have they're telling their story they're putting themselves out there they're on social media and they're getting the attention so let's get you there in a way that feels authentic to you I'd love to hear about your thoughts on like when is it the right time to hire a publicist because um I've like gone down the rabbit hole of like google searching and then been like I don't know if it's like when when and how do you determine you're in the right place to make that an effective relationship right well the person has to have they have to have a good story but they also have to have something to promote so sometimes I'll get actors come to me oh their agent said they need to go get a publicist so I need to get a publicist I'm like but what do you have going on nothing (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like and <laughs> it's it's that catch 22 like the agent wants you to get press so that they can get you more gigs but then to get you press I need you to have gigs <laughs> you know <laughs> so you have to have something to promote something upcoming that's newsworthy so it doesn't really there are some exceptions yes there's sometimes I will get you know, blog posts and things when there's not really much happening, but we'll find a a interesting part of your story that makes it a good story. Mm. So, you know, because media, they tell stories and they tell news. So do you fit with either of those? And if it's yet another band with a single, who cares? That's right. they're, they're getting that pitch a million times and you're a singer songwriter. Okay. Who cares? So you have to figure out, you know, what is it 
that makes you interesting? And that's part of the coaching that I do too, is like, what is it that makes you unique? Everyone has something that's really unique and interesting about them, but sometimes it takes a little digging to get there. So everyone has a story. Everyone has great stories. It's just they are not used to digging that deep to get to them and sharing them. I feel like you don't even, because it's yourself, you don't even maybe realize that it's interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's good to explore that because something that you thought never in a million years was interesting, like as a publicist, I go, oh, that's interesting. (laughs) Tell tell me more about that. (laughs) And sometimes it's, you know, it's like, sometimes a little coaching is a little bit like therapy because they didn't expect to go that deep in this. Um, and sometimes maybe you're not comfortable telling your story at first. And sometimes I relate, I relate to them and say, I'm pushing myself to do this too. It's like, I don't want to be on camera. I don't want to be, you know, but I know (laughs) the things that we need to do to, to succeed. So little by little, if you could push your comfort zone just a little bit more, and then a little <laughs> bit more, you'll get there. It might take longer than you expect. But um, yeah, so for publicity, it has to be an interesting story and you have to have something kind of upcoming, you know, so, and you want to hire a publicist before that event or thing happens because it takes a long time to get media attention. So say, Either an actor is going to have a film in a film festival or a band is going to go on tour or release an album. You want to be talking to a publicist at least three or four months before the release. Mm. And maybe start a publicity campaign six to eight weeks before that first date, the film festival. And it depends on how big these things are, right? If it's a big event in New York or LA or Toronto, you need more time. If it's a right. smaller city with a s- less going on, you don't need as much time. So there's things like that to consider on whether it's time to hire a publicist. Um, you have to have a good social media presence because if I pitch a media outlet on an artist or anything, the first thing they're going to do is check out the social media because they want to see that, you know, that you have a following, that someone actually cares because if they go to the effort of promoting you, you know, they want to know that their audience is going to actually be interested in that story. And a lot of times for online stuff, they also want the promotion to come back to them too. Mm. Mm. So if a blog is considering doing a, a piece on you, they will look at your social media to say, oh, so when they share this article with their following, I'll probably get some good uh, web traffic. Okay, let's do it. So even if they love the music, sometimes they'll still do it. Depends on the outlet. Some of them it's like, oh, I don't care if I love the music, I'm going to cover it. Other times it's like, no, what's in it for us? So it depends on the outlet, depends on the, you know, and I will say I never dismiss the smaller blogs, the smaller 
Spotify playlist, the smaller podcasts. It's like, doesn't matter if there's not a huge following, but if you get enough of those, then the bigger outlets might start paying attention. Yeah. It's like it can build up over time. Yeah. Like I've even heard writers from like Pitchfork say that, you know, they don't care. They don't care either about the level of blog that you got coverage in. They just want to see that people are liking what you're doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you get a bunch of um, unknown blogs to post about you and they like you, then it gets the attention of the bigger ones. And same with like Spotify. If you get on a bunch of little um, playlists, then they see that the algorithm that you're getting played, you're getting added to playlists, the main playlist people start paying attention and maybe will consider you for those big ones. And I find a lot of artists, they skip all that and go straight to, why won't the main public main playlist <laughs> add me? Why won't Pitchfork cover me? Why won't Hollywood Reporter write about me? Yeah. There's a you process. Have to start somewhere. Baby steps. I know. Yeah. I always say, like, I, I understand the impatience is, you know, artists. We want it now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is making me think of when we were talking to Paloma, Sarah, who's, um, a she's a wrestler and she was like you know there's all of these smaller um matches that you do so that when you get in front of all of like the thousands of people and you have your you know the spotlight on you you're prepared and I think that that is something we're very used to in the acting world as well like you do a lot of smaller parts and that usually leads into trust around like a lead or a series um regular or whatever Mm -hmm. um but we forget that, like, in music, you know, we need to do the same thing. Yeah. With yeah. anything. Like, we all want to be the the success now, but maybe we're not ready for it now. Mm-hmm. Like, even, I mean, anything you do kind of leads up to, like, where you're supposed to be. Like, we were talking about that the other day with, like, even businesses, like, how and even with you being the multi-potentialite, which did you learn about that term through a putty like that blog? Do you follow that? Yeah. At yeah. first, that's that's where I first learned it because when I was doing that transition of moving everything to dianfoy.com, I'm going to tell you all everything about me. I'm branding myself. For, <laughs> it's all, love it. you know, it's just, I'm going to sh- be open. I'm going to share every part of myself and put everything on one website and go from there. And everyone told me that was a horrible idea. <laughs> yeah. You no, gotta do you. <laughs> yeah. Everyone said that's a horrible idea. You're gonna confuse your audience. Why give up your company name? Everyone knows that name. Everyone knows that. That's a legit company. And all like all the different reasons that people say that you shouldn't do it. And I mm-hmm. went. Yeah, but I think I'm on to something. <laughs> I think that's, a, I, somehow I was like, I think that's the future. Mm-hmm. I know you guys don't get it, but I, I feel like that's the future of people doing more than one thing. And and, I, and I'd even use like some celebrities as the example. I'm like, well, 
if Kathy Ireland can have like a furniture line and uh, all the different <laughs> things that she does, why can't I? And they're like, well, they have people. I'm like, well, <laughs> well maybe I'll have people too someday. Yeah. I'll have people too. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm still going to go on this path. And then I saw that TED talk from the Putty Lake. And yeah. I was like, see, I knew I was right. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Emily Wapnick. I think that's her name. Mm. Emily Wapnick. Yeah. But she also that reminded me of a book I read before. And she talks about it, the Scanner book, the Ch- Refuse to Choose. I had read that book too. And that's okay. before uh, Emily's book. Um, and there there are other books too. It's like the the Renaissance Soul is a good one. The Refuse to Choose is kind of the first one that was really impactful for this. Okay. And then there's Emily's as well. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's uh, I was talking with my business coach about this because um, I just launched, in the middle of all of what's going on, I launched a marketing and user experience um, company with my partner. And um, I was like, how do I set this up? Uh, like, how do I tell my current audience what I'm doing without looking weird? And she's just like, as if it's always been there, just say, hey, did you know I also do this? Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, you just made it so simple, right? Because <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I've got to start a brand new email list and I've got to have them opt in from A to B if they want this information. And she's just like, no, 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 no. Just <laughs> also... I do this and uh, I'm going to be sharing my knowledge with you. Yeah. I, I know it take we make it more complicated than it needs to be. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> everything. I do that with everything. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like you need that other person outside of yourself to be like, okay, let's dial it back. <laughs> yeah. And also like everyone has other interests than their main thing that they're known for. And I think that's what makes them interesting. I agree. Just me, but I think, you know, like I just found out a musician that I know also makes like leather goods, like boots and purses. I'm like, that is really cool. Like really quality leather goods. I'm like, that's really interesting. I'm like, I would like you to come on my podcast (laughs) because so as just another musician, I wasn't that interested, but oh, that's interesting. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's something that that's what makes you unique, that you're not just one thing. The one thing might get you in the door. But yeah, the other stuff is the stuff that makes people interested. And I think we're learning more and more that as you step into your uniqueness, you attract the people that are excited to work with you. Yeah. Yeah, they get it. And after a while, you don't want to work with the people that just don't click with you, you know? And it's like, it's life-changing. Like, it feels so good when I'm coaching an artist and after, like, the third session, they're like, this is mind-blowingly life-changing. Because I'm, (laughs) even though we're talking about my, whether it's acting career or music career, it's changing it's affecting every aspect of my life I'm like that's that means more than anything that's amazing I'm like I want to do more of that (laughs) yeah 
So it's inspiring. It's all interconnected for sure. Yeah. Um, can we touch on this ocean big five that you mentioned to us as we were talking before the podcast? Because I have no idea what that is, and I'm very curious. Have you heard of a kind of any different personality test, like the Myers-Briggs or Enneagram? Mm-hmm. heard of that. Mm-hmm. So it's just yet another one. It's one of the main ones, but um, I actually just had a guest on my podcast, uh, Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive is my podcast, and I just had a guest, and she wrote a book on the Enneagram. And so that was really interesting, learning more about the Enneagram in you and how it affects your relationships and things like that. Um, and then I've, I've looked into the Myers-Briggs as well. It's a little bit long and complicated. And um, <laughs> Yes, I do remember that. It's about that. <laughs> it's like, and I'm an IMFSG17. <laughs> yeah. What? That's the letter. <laughs> and they're all great to learn about yourself. But I think... The thing that attracted me about the ocean model is, well, that was a guest appearance by your dog. Yes. <laughs> She's a little territorial when she hears people outside the door. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good card dog. Anyway, the the ocean big five, The you yes. were saying how you um, looked at kind of these other ones and how they were good for knowing more about yourself. Yeah. And then... I always, I think I discovered this on Creative Live. Do you know that site, Creative Live? Uh, and yes, they have a lot of. Um, every day they run free courses. Um, you can buy them as well, but at first, I think when I first discovered it, I had no money, so I would sit there. But I had time, so I would sit there for twenty four hours, you know, and and do the whole course <laughs> in that time. Love it and. So there's a course, there's a couple of courses on there by a Vanessa Van Edwards. That's my girl. Cool. So Vanessa Van Edwards, she has a few courses on Creative Live. And at first I would just catch them when they run the free stream of them. Um, but eventually I bought all the courses that she has on there. And, and one is People Skills or Master Your People Skills. And then she also has a body language one, but the master people skills, and she also has the science people website, and she talks about the big five ocean model because it's all about people skills. And it's one thing to know yourself, but this gives you a a little clue into reading other people Mm. and that improves your relationships. So I can go through it a little bit for you. Um, So the big five, they call it the ocean model because um, O, openness to experience. Um, The C is conscientiousness. E, extroversion. A, agreeableness. And then the N is neuroticism. (laughs) So there's only five to know. (laughs) And... Each one, you want to look at yourself and are you low, are you high, or are you somewhere in the middle? And so it's not a, and one day you might be more low and the next day or different situations, you might be more high. So if you think of extroversion, your high extroversion, if you gain energy from being around other people, 
you appreciate enthusiasm, you hate being alone all the time, and, you know, um, you're more the outgoing, sociable, talkable, talkative person. And then if you're low extroversion, you require more alone time. You need energy, like being around a lot of people, sometimes you can be high in certain situations, but it takes a lot out of you. Um, So you need to be alone to recharge. And then there's some people that are in the middle. Like I'm definitely low, but in certain situations, I can be high, but my core is low. So how this helps reading other people is you start to look at your friends or other people and go, and it makes you understand maybe why is that person always like kind of being antisocial? See, instead of all these judgments that we make on other people, if you Mm -hmm. start to understand this, then you go, oh, they just need some alone time to recharge. They'll be back, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Or maybe they don't want to be out every night at parties. Pick your, Pick the party that you really want them to come to and tell them that one's important to you. They'll they'll show up, you know? And same thing, if you know someone's high extrovert, then you know, you know, certain situations that they're going to shine in. And you understand why other things that they might be doing. So that's extroversion. Cool. Then there's conscientiousness. You're high conscientiousness if you you tend to be trustworthy dependable well organized you're not adaptable when situations don't go as planned you seek achievement you appreciate self-discipline and focus kind of a perfectionist and then if you're low conscientiousness you're a bit more go with the flow easygoing flexible impulsive Sometimes find it difficult to be structured and organized. Mm. <clears throat> so you can kind of rate yourself. So where do you fall on this? Are you low? Are you high? Somewhere in the middle? Cool. I'm low. <laughs> I'm low conscientiousness. I feel like but I'm probably I'm sure in the you, middle. Yeah. And I think we all know those people that are high, <laughs> high conscientiousness. <laughs> it's like Monica from Friends. That's high. Right. Conscientiousness. Yeah. <laughs> so then the next one, agreeableness. Your high agreeableness, if you tend to be friendly, cooperative, trusting, you take a genuine interest in others, and you tend to choose cooperation over competition. Mm. <clears throat> And then if you're low, you tend to be sometimes more direct, which sometimes comes off as detached or self-serving. You may not be concerned as concerned with the well-being of others. And you appreciate just straightforwardness. So again, you kind of rate yourself. Are you low? Are you high? Medium agreeableness. And then that's another thing that you can start to read other people. Cool. And when you understand this about each other, then relationships just are going to go much, much smoother because you understand why they're doing the things they're doing and why you're doing the same things you're doing. Very cool. This reminds me of, um, I love it. I took a test 
from um called the Workplace Big Five. And I did this before okay. I went to Nepal and I, I it's from Paradigm Labs. Um the coach that I was going on that trip with um had us all take it and it was super interesting to just see how like I didn't know ambiverts were a thing. I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. <laughs> because yeah, there's no fast rule you have to be one or the other yeah you could be in the middle yeah it can be different situations yeah and that one was a little more geared towards like understanding how you like where you're using extra energy in work like for example I'm really great at doing admin but it takes a lot of my energy just based on um what I'm you know, more inclined to versus good at. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. I can, you can be good at something, but it it might take more energy than something that you're more in alignment with. Yeah, for sure. Very cool. Yeah. And the last one is the neuroticism. (laughs) (laughs) And this one is sometimes you're neurotic it's like a bad thing but it doesn't have to be so if you're high neurotic you might suffer from anxiety and guilt and (laughs) anger and more likely to have depression and but sometimes you experience small frustrations as huge obstacles Mm. Mm -hmm. and you just appreciate stability emotional stability reliability you like things to be a bit more predictable And then if you're low, you tend to be calm, even-tempered, unemotional, confident, and you appreciate rationality. Mm. And so same thing. You could could be somewhere in the middle. Or in some situations, you're high. And some, you know, maybe in certain situations, you're high because it makes you anxious. But in general, maybe you're low. So it's, it has that flexibility. You don't have to be put in a box. I wonder how my husband would judge me on this one. (laughs) That would be a scary thought. Well, that's something that you could talk about with your friends. You can give them this test and say, what do you think I am? And you can read other people and then see if what there's like tests you can take online or you can ask them and could see if you're right in guessing which they are you know what like Um, I feel like almost sometimes that's better because I have taken I want to say I took the Myers-Briggs one or maybe it was another one where I answer certain questions and I really think about it I'm like was I being honest there (laughs) or was that what I want for myself (laughs) yeah like I found going through the Enneagram was really interesting and it's right on it's right on yeah it's like reading all about you mm-hmm. <laughs> you know when you figure out which one you are you're like oh yeah totally <laughs> and then it even goes in different situations in a stress situation you actually are a eight instead of a five or you know it's a whole other system I found that really interesting too so it's been nice learning about that one as well um, but it's harder to read other people because maybe just in that situation they were acting like this number so it's a a little bit harder to guess other people with that one I find um with the big five it's just more simple and the last one is openness to experience 
so high. You have an active imagination. You have many interests, curious about new things. You seek fun and appreciate independence. And low is your more traditional, conventional in your outlook and behavior. You seek predictability and appreciate routine and habit. <clears throat> Definitely then, yeah. high. Yeah. On that one. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. I've gotten higher over the years for sure. Oh my God. And yeah, it definitely changes because like maybe I'm, I'm more me now, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I mean, there was definitely when I was younger, I was so more closed off to new experiences and I seek that security, you know, because it's like what my mother would instill in me, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Sometimes it takes a while to break get rid of that voice in your head so it might not be who you truly are but at times in your life you might have been completely different in this top five anyways or the big five yeah oh it's crazy and I think I think what I'm really driving on here is like understanding the people around you because when you understand how somebody else is you're not going to take it personally right Mm-hmm. And I think so often we take people's behavior personally and it, it's not meant that way. Like we're the stars in our own movie. <laughs> All exactly. of, each of ourselves. So somebody's offhanded, like, no, I'm not going to go to this event or whatever. Then, oh, you know, um, can we can turn that back in on ourselves and make it of turn ourselves into a victim and that is not a place Mm -hmm. of power and it's not a place of like empowerment to be yeah because you take if you take someone's you know behaviors personally you think oh that person never wants to hang out with me never you know all the different things and really it's just I'm that person that I need my alone time Mm -hmm. a little bit too much same Same. and I think it is it's people are looking at it from the outside, I think a lot of people who don't know me super well think I'm an extrovert because I'm in a very hands-on service-based business. I'm a personal trainer. So, you know, I'm talking with people all day, but after I do that, I'm like, okay, now I need a day (laughs) to just be by myself, be alone. And I have to be very careful about scheduling to make sure I have that bandwidth to spend time with my husband, my friends, all of that. So it's become kind of a balancing act on my part. Yeah, and it's that's what comes with knowing yourself. It's like, okay, that's why I get stressed out in these situations or you know, and another thing to look at with the big 5 is that when once you kind of rate yourself, you can look at areas where like say you were more low extroversion, but to reach your goals you feel like you need to push yourself and become more extroverted Mm -hmm. so again it's something to be aware of like okay I need to work on that so you can look at different areas where "Hmm, to get where you want to go maybe I do need to kind of push myself and be a little bit more this be less that Mm -hmm. and also too how it can inform how you like number one how if you are going to step into an entrepreneurial job, right? If you're considering starting a business or if you're running a business, looking at what fits you more easily, 
right? Like Sarah and I talk a lot about like our starter businesses, right? And how you learn so much in that first thing that you do that it informs everything later. But oftentimes, if we know how we work better or how we work best, um, those entrepreneurial decisions can be more be made to be more in alignment. Like maybe if you are more introverted, you're going to go more towards like online video courses versus an extrovert who loves talking to people all day might do more one-on-one coaching or things like that. Yeah, for sure. Super cool. Yeah. This was great. Yeah. I feel like I learned so much. I'm so fascinated. Yeah. Once you kind of get into them, you're like, I'm so fascinated about the different personality types, you know, because, and each, each one, they all kind of, they're all interesting because when you figure out what you are, it's like you're reading a paragraph about yourself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's your life story. (laughs) How did they get into my soul? (laughs) It's like you get a, it's like when you get a horoscope, but more like, like, oh, how did they know? Well, no, this yeah. is like scientists. Scientists making things, yeah. so that's how they knew. Not, no. They figured where it Saturn out. is. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, um, Diane, so so much. No problem. This yeah, thank has been you. Awesome. Um, and Sarah and I are apparently getting known for our awkward sign-offs. <laughs> we're just we owned it we completely owned it and <laughs> where do you great... go from here where do you go from here okay thank you and um yeah we will see you soon talk to you soon. Okay. okay i'm just gonna I'll, I'll help you with this i'll help okay you this. yes please do so at the end of my podcast i always ask for people's why why did they do what they do? And I asked them, where can people find you online? Ah, so that, or also what's coming up for you? Like what's next for you? So these are kind of questions that kind of let the guests know that, okay, we're wrapping up. If there's anything else you want to say, get it in there now. And, you know, it just kind of ah. helps. And I find I've listened to a lot of other podcasts that, okay, we do five questions with, you know, at the end, you know, something, if you kind of can plan something like that. Mm. then people kind of then it's not awkward (laughs) thank you diane (laughs) we have a plan sometimes it's awkward and i just go well that's all i got for you (laughs) (laughs) that's it that's all i got i love it bye i've said that a lot on my podcast that's all i got i dig i dig so where can people find you diane (laughs) so i went against my original plan i do have two websites now um but i'm behind (laughs) it so i do have dianefoy.com and that has more my publicity and coaching um services and but singdanceactthrive.com is like a resource so it's my podcast and it's industry news, entertainment industry news. It's um, I do a five questions with different artists there and yeah, cover different events. And I, I still am working on it, but I want it to be like a resource. And then they both connect to each other. So 
singdanceactthrive.com is the podcast and then dianefoy.com on all social media i'm dianefoypr awesome okay cool there we go <laughs> and that's all we've got for you folks and that's all we got for you <laughs> Oh, thank you so much, Diane. No problem. (laughs) Thank you so much. I feel like I learned so much today. I know. That's, I really, the second she said multi-potential aid, I was like, well, I think we all are in a way, at least the people that we've interviewed. And um, I think it's great that it's becoming more and more accepted and that it's what makes you interesting, like she was saying instead of necessarily our parents or the people in the non-business world being like, wait, you're just being flaky, right? So I love being in this world now where this is so normal. Yeah. And I think having the kind of idea to bring it all together just under the one umbrella makes it so easy. Like I remember when I was an actor, I had a stage name. It was Kelsey Arlen. I did. It was Kelsey Arlen. My middle name is Arlene, and I thought Kelsey Arlene sounded a little southern. <laughs> Kelsey Arlene, uh, I'm Kelsey Arlene, and I'm here to no. I didn't want to do that, so I just dropped the e off the end, and um, and I did that because uh, people would lisp my name, like my name is Kelsey Mathis, but they would go Kelsey Matha. Oh yeah, um, that's something I would do. I have trouble with my s's, <laughs> and I have multiple in between my first and last name. So I yeah, get it. <laughs> well, and, and I think it's just like you anticipate the th in the middle, like it's s t h s. Yeah. So, like it, when it happened at my college graduation, and I sang like as people were coming in, and it's like, and here is Aaron Dandies and Kelsey Mathis. I was like I need to change it I need to change it and I like had this dual personality for like seven or eight years where I had like an email address a website an Instagram all under or Facebook I don't even remember all under like Kelsey Arlen and (laughs) it was so tough to just manage like these these dual personalities um yeah. I finally just said, fuck it. And like, put it all back together. My life got a lot easier. Yeah. I like the idea of fuck it to what quote unquote they <laughs> say. And I think going with just what feels right to you is always going to make you win. So yeah, no, that was great. Loved hearing about the personality stuff. I think it's very helpful to know about other people so you can yeah, I could see how that would help you be a great communicator. So I want to take that test now and have someone take it for me because I always lie on them. <laughs> but anyway, well. Awesome. If you want to uh, follow Diane Foy, it's Diane Foy PR at Inst- on Instagram. So, and we'll have all the other information. What? Below? <laughs> is that how it is? Below? Yes. <laughs> okay. In the show notes. In the, the show notes. Is the um, industry term. For all right. Well, until next time, kids, take care. Stay safe. (laughs) Wash your hands. (laughs) This podcast is produced by Sarah Laspis of Muscles and Moxie and Kelsey Mathis of Chem Meditation and Be Done Social. Music by Justin Radke of Justin Radke Music. If you like what you hear, please subscribe. Oh, and hit us up on the Insta at The Boss Life Balance. Thanks, and we'll catch you soon.